Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bayer Insider Ultimate Insider Podcast. This is the inaugural edition. We're kicking it off here today. I am Mike Pulaski. For those of you who don't know me, I am a former Cal quarterback, showed up at Berkeley in 1987 out of Southern California, was a starter in 90 and 91. And if you don't remember those days, because it's a long time ago, that was the Copper Bowl and Citrus Bowl years. My senior year, we finished seventh in the country. Teams with guys like Troy Ozine, Steve Gordon, Russell White, Sean Dawkins, Brian Triggs, Jarrett Willard. I can keep going down the list. Fantastic team, fantastic Golden Bears all. I have been part of the radio broadcast at Cal since 1996. So going on my 25th year here as part of the broadcast team at Cal in some capacity. I went off and did a little TV for a little while. But I am now back on board as the color analyst. I get to work with Joe Starkey every week, which is an honor for me. Get to be around the team, the coaches. Get to watch game film. I got the backside edition, and you're going to get some of that this year. But I have the inside to Cal football. I've been around the Pac-12 for years, worked for Pac-12 Networks, worked for Fox. And so I've been following college football with a special emphasis on the Pac-12. And so I'm going to bring you my insights. As a former football player, as a quarterback, you're going to get a very quarterback-centric view because that's what I do. We're going to talk about quarterback play, looking at defenses, talking about players, everything across the board. But I want to bring you, as a home viewer, the ultimate inside into what I think the Cal, Cal, Cal Bear football program is all about. And so we're going to kick it off today since it's summer and everybody's having a good time and we want to know what's coming on. We have no games to review or, or preview. We are going to talk about the Pac-12 North. We're going to do a little preview of what's coming up on the Bear schedule coming down the slate. Today, I am joined by Bear Insider editor and senior writer, Jim McGill, He's been with the pro with Bear Insider for 18 years. And this dude, when I turned as a broadcaster for information on Cal Bear football, I'm looking at guys like Jim McGill to give me the insight on the, on the football and especially on the recruiting side, because really great on that side, great on what's going on inside the program. And so a real insider, Jim McGill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mike. Pleasure to be here. And my resume pales compared to yours, but Cal fans are thrilled to have you contributing this uh, unique feature to our site and we're really excited about what you're going to bring to the table. I appreciate that. You ended up with a few less bruises, which is nice. I just got back Absolutely. myself. You can see here a little uh, scar from my trip to Germany to take care of the rest of the football injuries. Didn't happen at Cal. Happened when I was a pro. But, you know, football ha leaves its marks every now and then. Wouldn't change. Well, you don't see a lot of quarterbacks that are willing to, uh, to, to knock down linebackers on the sweep either like you did. So That's because they were way smarter than I was, Jim. That's the problem. <laughs> they were way <laughs> smarter. <laughs> So today we're talking about the Pac-12 North, and I'm going to kick it off to you. I have my obvious takes on different teams around the conference. Who's the team to beat this year in the Pac-12 North? You know, it really depends on how you're analyzing it and who you're talking to. Most, I think, would say Oregon. They return a ton of talent. They've brought in a lot of recruiting depth and talent year by year. But I've got to tell you, Cal's going to surprise a lot of people, and I would not be surprised at all to see Cal come out with the Pac-12 North title. They're bringing back a lot of returning talent. They're bringing back 10 super seniors. They're bringing back depth that I've never seen before in the program, and granted, a lot of it is young depth, but super talented, and you've got to figure the hit rate on that young, talented, college-sized guys already is got to be, you know, at least 25, 30, 40%. So seeing those guys in the mix with these returning veterans, I'm really bullish on this team. That's awesome. I, so 
couple of things. Hey, they're not going to surprise anybody because people are expecting Cal. Cal's a good football team. They got good talent coming back. You just pointed out all the stats. So Cal's going to be a good football team this year. We're going to do the Pac-12 North today, and I'm just throwing this at Jim. We're not going to do Cal today. We're going to have one separate podcast to break down the Bears. So to finish it all off, we'll go North, we'll go South next. But then our, our, our Golden Bear breakdown, I think, should be one podcast so that we can talk about the team in its entirety. We'll touch, we'll touch today. We always got to touch on the Golden Bears. But we're not going to break them down. Uh, I agree with you with Oregon. I think Oregon, incredibly talented. Uh, I think the offseason hire, which was a loss to Cal, but – you know, you, you can't expect him not to do it. Tim DeRuiter goes up there, and he is a fantastic defensive coordinator. I'll, I'll tell a little inside story. When I would go in, we talked to Justin every Tuesday. And so we come in, we meet with coaches, we talk to him about what's going on for the game, for the broadcast. And Coach DeRuiter's office was right next door to Coach Wilcox. And so I would always show up a little bit early, and I would go in with Coach DeRuiter, and we would sit there and talk defense, get up on the whiteboard, talk through, you know, cover four, cover six, what's this assignment? What, what is a tough stretch for you? What don't you like to beat? And so I love being in coaches' meetings. And he's just so good about the game of football, and, and he is such a great teacher of the game of football, the way he puts it across, that I think he's going to be – he's going to work wonders up there at Oregon. One of those things with Oregon is – and one of the things at Cal, as a former pro player – like when you're at Cal, you're blessed. You have super, super smart dudes. Um, and so you can put in a lot of heavy stuff and you can get it in quickly. Oregon, USC, some of those programs, not quite at that same level of install capability, but Coach DeRuiter's defense, really good. And so that's going to be the huge change up there this year with Coach DeRuiter coming up there on defense. And as much as I hate to admit it, defense wins championships. Yeah, you know, a lot of times when you see a, a one of your coordinators go to a competitor, you have to worry about, are they – not only getting stronger, but is our program getting weaker? Fortunately, it was a, a dual defensive coordinator role last season with Coach Sermon maybe even taking a lead role there. So, yeah, I, I believe Oregon will get stronger with Coach DeRuiter. He's, a, he's an outstanding veteran, and he's, he's a, a lot more of a people person than you would expect. You'd think maybe he'd be an old-school guy, but he's, he's a good motivator too. But I don't expect Cal to miss a beat this year either. So it'll be interesting to see how the two defenses stack up. I agree with that. I love Peter Sermon. I mean, he is, he is awesome. He's a fantastic coach. His time had come to be a D coordinator. He needed to be there. Right. And, and coach DeRuiter is a former head coach at Fresno state, obviously, and a great defensive coordinator. Justin Wilcox is the head coach and defensive coordinator. Like it, it's just kind of odd man out. And the opportunity that coach DeRuiter got up there, you just couldn't pass on. So I actually had an opportunity to talk with him after that. And so, you know, wish him the best, just not versus the bears, but I think his defense is going to be really good offensively. A little bit of a shakeup up there in Oregon. They've always got talent. They've always got dudes on offense. Their quarterback last year, Tyler Shuck, starting quarterback, transfers out. He hits the road. He goes down to Texas Tech. And I, I can't help but think there was a little bit of a conflict, obviously from where he came in to where he ended up with Coach Moorhead as the offensive coordinator, trying to fit into that offensive box they were trying to put him into. Yeah, I, I think the same thing, too. And I, I... – I think it speaks to a little bit of instability in their program, too. You would think with them returning as uh, Rose Bowl champs and with all the talent they have, that they'd be sort of a, a ship that's sailing straight ahead without, without waves. But there might be a little bit of, uh, a little bit of waves behind the, the scenes there, too. Well, and, and you look at it the way – like towards the end of the season, he wasn't super productive. So I don't know how well he fit in the offense. The offseason was weird, right? Pac-12 North – had four brand new coordinators last year between Bill Musgrave, Moorhead, Donovan, 
up at Washington and then Rolovich coming in at Washington state. So a bunch of new offense to learn in the North last year. And so none of it was going to click with the COVID year and everything like kind of just the way it worked out, but it, it just didn't seem like they were on the same page or offense didn't have the firepower used to seeing on that offense. And so I don't know that the scheme fit Shuck as well, although he's a great runner, right. And coach Moorhead coached Dak Prescott. So he had that type of quarterback in his history. It's it, it just wasn't the right fit for him coming in as a quarterback. Now, they have Anthony Brown, who showed well against USC in kind of the red zone area, was okay versus Iowa State. You just have to see what he can do when he starts getting starter snaps. And then they have some tools in the backfield, right? C.J. Verdell, who kind of fell off at the end of last season, and they still have Die coming back at that running back spot. So two big-time playmakers there. Yeah, they, they definitely have the talent in the skill positions, although we have to see how quarterback's going to work out. I think the big wild card with them on offense is the offensive line. A lot of, a lot of turnover there. And um, obviously, you know more than anybody how important a, a strong, cohesive offensive line is to play behind for those skill position guys. What do, you, what do you expect to see out of that offensive line? Well, so I always either start or finish my reviews of teams with the offensive line because it is the most important spot on the field and in the locker room. So it's not just about what guys are doing on the field, but it's also offensive line sets the tone for a team. So when you're out there, you know, grinding, doing everything else, those offensive line guys are the guys that give you the chemistry on the team. And so that Oregon offensive line was my, like at the beginning of the season last year, I thought this is a brand new team, like offensive line. They had zero returning starters on the offensive line last year. And so now coming back, all those dudes have at least one season of experience. And so they've got some dudes coming back. They've got, they've always got players, you know, the, the high recruit guys, but until they step on the field, you don't know exactly what they're going to be. So they've got some talent, right? Oregon is always kind of hit and miss between who's going to show up and who's not going to show up, but they're going to have some talent in that offensive line. I think they're going to be good running the football. Um, and then we're going to have to see how that translates into that passing game. Again, Moorhead trying to get his, his offensive system in, right? RPO heavy, running quarterback heavy, and then getting the ball downfield secondary with that run game. And so I think they're going to be good up front. I think they have the talent to be good up front. I think that offensive line needs to set the tone. They need to step up. They need to grow up a lot kind of in this year. And I think a lot of teams around the conference are like that because you only have that one year of experience for a lot of those guys who played last year. And at that, Oregon got all seven. They got the, uh, the championship game, and then they got the bowl game in. So they actually got nine games in last year, which is a huge boon, although they did get their butts kicked by Iowa State in that bowl. So there, you know, yeah. there's always that. All right, let's move down a little bit. Let's talk about Oregon State. Obviously, Jamar Jefferson, gone. That dude was a stud. I don't care what you say about the conference last year. He was the best running back in the conference, J just the way he carried a team on his shoulders uh, with a group that – maybe wasn't as potent on offense as they'd like to be. So Jonathan Smith ended up last year having to try to stretch the field with the passing game with a new quarterback or run the ball with Jamar Jefferson. And those dudes up front, let's talk about that offensive line, were road grading it for him because he was getting some huge open holes and big, big breakaway runs. So Oregon State running the football without Jamar Jefferson is going to be a completely different football team this year. Yeah, you know, they were, they were particularly impressive running the ball last year, and I don't really know how you replace a guy like, like that. Are you a little bit surprised what, how well they were able to do last year on the run? I mean, Coach Mahalchik obviously is a veteran offensive line coach, and he gets a lot out of his talent. And they're recruiting pretty well on the offensive line this year too. Do you think that's part of the key to, to their success or the major cog in their, 
Well, as we talked about, offensive line is always the key, right? So if you can get those guys going, they were great at running the ball. They were not great at pass protection. And yeah. so they could run it really well. And you can find some dudes who can do that, who can get off the ball, who can move people and are great run blockers. But then in the Pac-12, you have to be able to turn it around and be pass protectors as well. And one of the things they didn't do well is they didn't protect their quarterbacks very well. And so the, those guys got hit. You know, Jebbia got hurt in that game versus Washington. Well, Oregon, was it Oregon or Washington last year they got hurt? I think it was Oregon at the end of the season. Or Anyway, he got hurt at the end of the season. Those big guys weren't protecting him. He gets hurt, big-time injury. And so you, you end up getting a quarterback hit a lot. Your passing game is not going to be as effective. Jonathan Smith, obviously, as a player, had a great running game behind him when he was playing for Erickson there at Oregon State and then could throw the ball as well. He'd like to find some of that balance, but he hasn't been able to strike it yet. Uh, in in Corvallis with Oregon State because he just he just hasn't had the tools to put it there. So those big guys need to get in their pass pro a little bit. And like you talked about, I love Mahalchek. Mahalchek is a great coach. He's a great dude. And so he's going to get his guys to work. But getting that elite guy who can both, you know, block for the run and protect the pass is, is a pretty special thing these days. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Oregon State defense? So they, they're great at linebacker, right? You know, you, you've got guys coming back at linebacker who are, who are pretty special. And A.B. Roberts coming back, obviously, really good football player. And so they're going to be good at that second level. The problem is, even if you have talented linebackers, if you don't have that defensive front, that, that's what sets everything up on defense, right? Because if they can get after the passer, if they can cause problems for a quarterback, then the DBs all look great. The linebackers look better because they're keeping blockers off of linebackers. And it, it makes the whole defense work better. I don't know how good they are up front. You know, they've got try hard guys. They've got, you know, a little bit of talent. They can rush the passer with some scheme stuff. I just don't know if they can do that and stop the run at the same time with the group of guys they have up front. We're going to have to see kind of what shows up on the field form this year, but that was kind of their drawback last year. They could run the ball really well and they stayed in a bunch of games, right? They got jobbed at Washington. They beat Oregon. Obviously they won that game versus the bears. And so they were a decent enough football team to win, but they need to get better up front on that defense in terms of, in terms of if they want to step up to that next level of play defensively, that defensive line has to get better. Yeah. That was a bitter loss for Cal last year. The block punt deep in, in Oregon state territory that where they had the easy touchdown and the call, the, the kick return for the touchdown that was called back. So many ways Cal could have won that game, even with a decimated offensive line with all the COVID holdouts and, young guys playing so that was one of those ones you want to put in the rear view mirror for 2020 well and and if you remember too right COVID holdouts you talked about it we had a bunch of puppies playing on the offensive line yeah the offense still got it done but on the block punt it was I believe it was Croto who was out that game COVID DQ and so you have somebody filling out in and God bless them for having to step into that up back position but you haven't done it you haven't repped it and so you're trying to figure it out on the run that's where your block punt comes in. So, yeah. you know, you get guys out. That was such a weird year last year. Like, I'm just writing off last year as an entire scrimmage year because there was just zero consistency for most teams. Oregon had good consistency, and I think USC got them all in as well. But, like, it was – you had no team that had consistency. Arizona State got shot. Washington, you know, had a hard time with it. So, it was just tough throughout the conference. But that game, you're right, that was a absolute heartbreaker for the bears. Um, we talked about quarterback position. Jevia, does he come back? Is he better? What happens at Oregon state? We'll see, you know, when we get down to it and we'll see who starts actually, you know, come game time, who knows how bad that injury was. 
I think he's going to be okay for camp, but we'll see coming back. Uh, and we'll see what the Beavers end up being. I, I, you know, I'm just not sure what that team's going to be. I love Jonathan Smith. I really like him as a dude. I love him as a coach. Uh, I like what he brings to a football program. And I would love to see him have success at his university. I am a huge fan of having alums coach their university. Like, I absolutely love that. I think that's what college football is all about. But we'll see what he can do there at Oregon State. All right, let's move up into Washington now. Let's talk about – let's start with Washington State because they are still, to me, uh, a bit of a mystery because last season I think they ended up playing four or maybe five games. But you couldn't really tell what they were because of all the COVID cancellations because of the switch out of games. I love Nick Rolovich as a dude. Like when Rolo came out of college, when he was playing at Hawaii, he called me and I was playing in the arena league. He was going to be playing in the arena league. And so he picked my brain all about the arena league. And so when we went down to Australia for the Australia cup, I hung out with Rolo a bunch down there. We talked offense, we talked football and everything else. And lo and behold, he replaced, you know, one of my favorite coaches in, in the country and Mike Leach with Nick Rolovich. So you get just as much personality, just as much offensive output uh, and a great dude to boot. I'm interested in seeing what Washington State can be this year with that run and shoot offense. Yeah, they're a mystery to me too. It's it's funny their penchant for hiring sort of the Maverick type guys as, as coach, although he's he's not quite the Maverick that Leach was, but he's an interesting character and he's he's a motivator and he's he's going to be a guy that I think is going to recruit better than they typically recruit up to up to uh, the Pullman area, which is not an easy place to draw guys. But they're they're gonna they're gonna always be an exciting offensive team under a guy like Rolovich. They're going to, I'm sure, spread the ball around a lot and, and score their share of points limited by whatever talent restrictions they have, obviously. But yeah, it's hard to get a read on them too. I, I don't really know what to expect. I was really looking forward to that game last year. I pulled into the parking lot across from Martin Stadium and got the text, game canceled. That was, that was a crazy one. Were, were you up there? Were you there with the guys when they were having their snowball fights and everything? I, so we didn't get to travel with the team last year, right? COVID, we did all the radio broadcasts from Memorial Stadium, which sucked. Okay. I mean, it sucked. Yeah. I, I Like broadcasting a game from a room is horrible. You've got we, – we, I'll tell you a little bit about the backside setup. We had the TV feed, right? So we're seeing the TV game live. And then we had an all 22 for the teams that could set it up. Some teams are really good. And so the teams that could set it up, they would feed us the all 22, but they were never in sync. And so you're trying to watch the TV game and call it off a TV game so that people at home can kind of follow along with you. But you've also got the all 22. And so whether it was behind or in front, or like it, it was just a mess. And I would get fixated on the all 22 because as a quarterback, that's what I like watching. I want to see the entire field. And so Watching the All-22, I would get lost in where we were at the TV game. I just felt so out of sync every time we had to do a road game, the UCLA game. I, I left that UCLA game. I'm like, oh, yuck. That was awful. And then finally, when we got the Oregon-Stanford games at home, I'm like, yes, it's football in the box again. It's, it's amazing. So uh, I hated it. So we know. I didn't hear anything from anybody about the, the broadcast being out of sync or being rough. So credit to you for making it work. Well, I appreciate that. But so to make a really long answer to a very short question, no, we did not travel with the team. So I was not there for the snowball fight. Uh, <laughs> that said, right, a huge disappointment up there. Uh, Washington State's offense, Jaden Delora, offseason had some trouble, right? A little DUI up there, um, got in trouble. He's back in the good graces now. I actually had the opportunity to go out at the Sac State's football camp and visit with Troy Taylor and 
hang out there and saw a lot of the coaches kind of around, get some of the scuttlebutt around the Pac-12 because all the Pac-12 coaches were in. And so um, he's back in, back in the good graces, going to be in for it. Obviously, they have the new Tennessee transfer quarterback coming in there. I believe it's Guarantano, is that right? Who, who's a guy coming in from Tennessee, so he has some skills. He can play it, um, and it's supposed to be a battle going into camp. That may be just a little kind of push to Delora there. It may be the actual truth. Um, and it may be a slap on the wrist for Delora as well saying, Oh, well you take the chance and look what's going to happen. Somebody may replace you at the spot. I thought Delora was a baller. Like when I watched his first game, true freshman starting his first game, just slinging it in that run and shoot. And he ran it in high school. I'm like, this dude's going to be a really good football player in the PAC 12. Yeah. A bit of a surprise how fast he's able to adjust and, and produce at such a high level that that caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, I mean, except for until they play SC, right? And they kind of just fall apart. You can't run the ball, and, you know, the DBs are faster than anybody on your team. And, like, it gets you in trouble, and you got a young kid, a lot of stress, COVID year. Like, you can just keep piling those things on. But I think his ceiling is pretty high. I think he's a pretty good football player. I love, love, love Max Borgie. Like, he's one of my big-time players around college football this year that just does not get enough respect. When you watch game film on this guy, he's always in the right place. He's always a try-hard guy. He makes dude miss who shouldn't miss uh, and just an excellent football player. So I think having him, he's got, I think, Renard Bell coming back as one of his receivers. He's got his two top receivers coming back, 62 catches between the two of them out of 94 total for the season. So he's got his two top targets coming back. They had two guys uh, leave the program who were the outside guys, so they're in trouble there. But they're always going to have that little jitterbug, run-and-shoot type of receiver coming in. Rolo is a good recruiter, like you say. If you can recruit to Hawaii, people – People think, oh, Hawaii's great. Oh, I'd love to go there. No, you don't. Because every game that's not at home is a five-hour plane flight. And so no matter what you're doing, it's a miserable flight to play outside of Hawaii. So if you can recruit to Hawaii, you can recruit anywhere. And so I think Roll is a good recruiter. I think he's a hell of a coach. He's a great dude. And so I think the offense is going to be okay. Defense, they're in trouble. They got some dudes coming back, but they have not been able to put it together. Haven't really gotten after the passer. Um, didn't cover very well that Oregon game last year. They got absolutely crushed through the air. And so I, I need to see that defense turn around before Washington state becomes a real obstacle for teams. I think. Yeah, obviously their, their Achilles heel is their D and it'll be interesting to see if they can make any headway this year. If they do get better, I don't expect it to be significantly better. So how much can the offense pick it up and, and, uh, make up for the defensive shortfalls. It's hard to say. I don't, I don't expect them to do too well with that, honestly. I expect them to be towards the bottom of the, the Pac-12 North this next season. And that always seems to be the case, right? With those, with those teams that have great offenses, you know, you think about Mike Leach, has great offenses every year. Defense, eh, it's always a little shaky. And if you can put some defense with that offense, now you're, now you're in good shape, but you never get to practice. Again. Like, how, if you're Washington State or if you're, you know, Nick Rolovich uh, now or Mike Leach, how do you practice for Stanford? How do you get ready for Iowa State? You know, the three tight end teams who are just going to throw big bodies at you all the time. There's no way to do it. There's no way to put that scout look together because you don't have the personnel on campus. And so it's kind of tough when you run that kind of offense to give your defense a real look. And so I think that that always plays into defense and how well you can recruit on defense as well. All right, moving on. So we've got the Cougs. We've got the Ducks. We've got the Beavs. Now, another team that people expect to compete in the Pac-12 North, obviously Washington Huskies. So you have a team last year that won the Pac-12 North, 
but had a really disappointing season, especially at the end. Couldn't play in the championship game for Pac-12 championship. Didn't play in a bowl game. Just kind of turned it in at the end because it was the end of a COVID season. Jimmy Lake, really good football coach. He's a defensive guy. And so the mentality between when Coach Pete was there now to Jimmy Lake is a completely different mentality. You go from an offensive guy, offensive thinking, you know, great special teams guy to a defensive guy. So defense is going to come first and the Huskies are going to be good again on defense this year. They're always good on defense. They always get these big poly guys that seem to dominate on the defensive side. And uh, unfortunately for them, they lost one of those guys to a serious injury recently with uh, Lantu Latu not being able to, to come back, probably permanently medically retired, unfortunately for him. But they will be good on D for sure. Yeah, and, and great linebacker core. You know, they, the way they run that system, they run those two defensive tackles inside, and then they run kind of hybrid linebacker defensive end types on the outside. So you end up with that 4-2 look, and they can kind of bring pressure from anywhere. They're bringing secondary pressure behind it. They're playing a ton of three-match behind it. So, And for people that don't know about three-match, I'm going to pub my YouTube channel here real quick. Uh, check out YouTube channel, Lead Athletes TV. I have a video on three match, what it's all about, but it essentially turns cover three into cover one and makes it tougher for quarterbacks to throw those vertical routes. But they play a ton of that three match up there. They have the athletes on defense to do it in that secondary. Obviously, they lose Molden this year, and he was the guy in that secondary who was really, really good. Kind of the rebirth of Buda Baker back there, who was also a stud DB for Washington. But they're still going to be good. They're going to be talented, and they're really good up front as you as you pointed out a lot of Polynesian dudes who are really good football players inside some great rush outside backers and they have some good inside backers Jacob Sermon being one of those dudes who is a stud inside linebacker yeah did they have turnover in the the coordinator position was Kwiatkowski did he make a move Uh, well so Kwiatkowski went to Texas Right. So he goes down to a Sarkeesian, but you bring in Bob Gregory, who was already inside the system. And Jimmy Lake, you know, Kwiatkowski had to move, right? Because Jimmy Lake takes over as a head guy, kind of passes you over to, for the DC. It was, it was kind of the, the Tim DeRuiter situation in Washington when Coach Pete, you know, promoted Jimmy Lake to that defensive coordinator spot. And so I totally understand it. Kwiatkowski was a stud coordinator. Like he was one of my favorites in college football watching his game film. He was really good at what he did. But so now Bob Gregory comes in. Cal fans should know Bob Gregory. He was a D coordinator under Jeff Tedford when Jeff first came in. I love Bob. Bob is fantastic. Like, he's the other guy I used to go into his office. We would talk defense all the time. Just saw him at the Sac State camp, and we hung out and reminisced for about 45 minutes. I mean, it was great. Just a good dude. Super, super smart coordinator. Super smart football coach. Really good dude. And so I expect great things out of their defense. Defensive head coach. Great defensive coordinator. Um, and I think – the chemistry of it, right? They're, they're both high character guys, Jimmy Lake, Bob Gregory, both high character guys. And that makes a huge difference when you have a defensive coach who's also a great character guy like Cal has and Justin Wilcox. That makes a difference in terms of chemistry on a team, but where you fall down when you have all that defense is on the offensive side of the ball. John Donovan comes in as the coordinator up there last year. He is a pro guy, right? Done some offense. And so he, he, he comes into a system where now all of a sudden COVID hits and he's got to teach his offense on zoom, just like the other three guys had to in the North and offense wasn't quite there last year. You know, they, they had this huge quarterback battle, four guys taking snaps. Um, you end up with Dylan Morris taking it out of the end and playing for them decently. Um, but 
he he was good. He averaged under 200 yards a game passing. He threw four touchdowns, but also threw three interceptions. You know, they didn't run the ball great, but they didn't have to. So their defense kind of picked up the, the backside for them. But that offense, to be a true Washington team, I think it has to have a little more output. Yeah, the, it, it did seem like they were COVID impacted a lot like Cal was last year, but a strong D will carry you through a lot of your shortcomings. And it'll be interesting to see second year with, with uh, all these programs that have their second year coordinators, what kind of a jump they're going to make. I, I think they'll take a jump too. I don't know how dynamic they're going to be on O, but definitely better. Oh, I think it's going to come down to that quarterback position, right? I think, I think number nine, I think he's number nine. Nine has to play well and he has to do a good job out there or they've got the new star recruit in Heward, right? There's another Heward at Washington for God's sake. And so you had Brock, you had Damon, and now you got Brock's son coming through there. Uh, who was like the all-time leading passer for the state of Washington. And, and so, you, like, I think he's a lefty, if I remember seeing his film correctly. Really good football player. And so they expect him to kind of challenge for that spot as well. His dad, obviously a pro football player, was a pro quarterback for years, got some good coaching. And so now he's coming in and he's going to take a run at that spot, I think. As a former quarterback yourself, what does it take for a true freshman to come in and, and start and excel? You have to have good, a good background in the sport. You have to have a good understanding of the sport. Um, if you're coming in out of a system that does not teach a pro style set, uh, doesn't teach pro style reads, doesn't teach understanding of, you know, pass protection, hot routes, all those things, then it is an absolute ton to learn coming in. I came in and God bless my high school football coach. I love him to death. John Turek was a fantastic man, a great mentor, ran the worst offense in the history of football for a quarterbacks in the wing tee. I hated it. I mean, I loved it when I was playing because I didn't know any better. I just didn't know. But the wing tee sucks. Like it's for a quarterback, it's bad, right? So I was all state as a safety, right? I was, I was all county as a quarterback. I ran for 1,200, passed for 1,200. But I knew nothing about the passing game. Like the Cal coaches, when, when they chose me as a quarterback, I think they went, eh, can't miss. He's an athlete too. So we'll bring him in. And if he can play quarterback, bonus. And so if you come in with that kind of background, there's a ton of learning. And I was fortunate to have Terry Shea early. I was really fortunate to have Troy Taylor ahead of me. Like Troy Taylor, as, as a quarterback ahead of me, was such a blessing because he is such – a great football mind. And he was like so player coach. What's that? He's like a player coach. Oh, without a doubt. And, and he actually put in some stuff while I was at Cal, like he introduced some concepts that we ended up using while we were there. Wow. So, I mean, just super smart football wise. And, and you, you know, you talk about a high character guy. I don't know if they make human beings better than Troy Taylor. So just, he was so good for me. And then I got Mooch. Right. And so it was this, it was a synergy of, Learning a great mentor in Terry Shea, right? Teaching young quarterbacks, father figure, a great helping quarterback ahead of me that I could kind of emulate. And then Mooch, who was more my personality in terms of, you know, go get it and, and just be out there emotionally. And so it was just kind of the perfect mix for me. But again, to make your short question a long answer, it takes having a background in football concepts that you're going to play at the next level. And if you don't have sure. it, it's going to be a long day. He has significant background. The question significant is, background. Is it the type of background that 
helps him to slide right into things there, or does he have to tweak some of his knowledge base? It'll be interesting to see, but I imagine he's going to be right in the thick of things competing. Yeah, it'll just be a matter of picking up a new language, right? Whatever language they're using at Washington, he's going to have to learn that language. Whatever they call their sets, whatever, you know, it's going to be formation, motion. I, I did this video on our YouTube channel as well. But formation, motion, play, you know, pass protection, play. And so it, if he can get that verbiage together, right, and then perform without thinking through all that stuff, then he's got a really good shot because he's a pretty talented young player. So um, lose a couple of receivers up there. They're going to be good at running back. Uh, they've got the young running back out of St. John Bosco down south. I forget his name, uh, McGrew. He, he escaped me for a while. He's like a poor man's Christian McCaffrey to me. He's just, he's a really good football player. He's a tough runner. I think he's really good. They got a big back that can bang inside. And so they're going to run the football. Anytime you have a defensive coach, you're going to run the football. And, and they're going to do that. And so, you know, that quarterback position could be a key to that offense being pretty special. Yeah. Is it just one team in the north now? There is. There's one left. Uh, yeah, they, they were maroon, don't they? Oh, that yeah, no, you're right. Uh, <laughs> like I said, we're going to leave Cal for a later date so we can have a big full podcast on Cal. But there is another team in the Bay Area. Um, although, so I'm going to tell you this, you know, Cal fans at home, I have a lot of respect for the dudes who play at Stanford. That's not an easy place to play to get through it. It's competition. I love David Shaw. I really like him as a coach. I like his toughness. I like the hard nose about it. He is a stubborn bastard boy. He is going to like, no matter what people say about him, no matter what they tell him, he's going to continue on the same course, run the West coast, pound the ball ad nauseum un until you bore the opposite team into relenting in the fourth quarter. And so that's what he does with that offense. And he's had some good quarterbacks come through and you saw when they couldn't run the football, he did a great job of changing out and becoming a full passing offense, right? So he, he he's a very good coach. I, th I think I really respect him as a coach. Um, I like him as a dude. And so what they do down there is always fun. And I love looking at their defense on film. Like I love studying Stanford's defense because they're always doing something unique and fun. Like as a quarterback, I would love to play against them because you're always trying to figure out exactly where it's coming from. What are they going to do this time? How do I protect myself? But if you can figure that out, there's going to be holes in that coverage. And so offensively, we'll start on that offensive side of the ball. Um, Stanford's offense. Talk to me, Jim. I'm going to throw it on you. I'm just going to leave it out there for you. Go ahead. Carry it away. I mean, I, I'm not particularly impressed by what I saw from Stanford's offense this year. I don't really know what to, what's going to give them the boost to be a, a more efficient O this year. I, I think their defense is going to have to get it done for them. But, you know, one of the interesting things about their defense and the roster in general is they've lost a lot of guys in the off season that opted to not come back either to hit the portal or not return or try their hand at the pros or whatever. And that's something that's out of the ordinary for Stanford. They used to retain virtually everybody. They did get guys who were going to be top three round draft picks coming back. It, it, something's been changing up there and it, it's really going to hit their depth a lot. They can't afford a lot of injuries to be competitive this year. So uh, I don't really know what to expect about Stanford. I kind of see them as a, as a middle of the, the pack team this year. Well, and that's, that's two years in a row, right? They had a bunch of kind of defections and guys transferring out and dudes leaving yeah. the program last year before COVID. And yeah. so it's like, it's been a couple years in a row. It makes you kind of wonder what's going on back down there. Um, obviously their quarterback love goes on. He moves, uh, onto the next level. They've got 
Jack West coming back at that quarterback spot, high recruit, right? Stanford always gets that big time college recruit. They're always that 6'4, 220 guy who looks the pro style passer. They still run the West Coast offense. And so they're going to get that guy in the system. They got some talent at the position. I think the receiver spot is actually really good coming back. So you look at the receiver spot, and I got my notes here. Uh, you got Tremaine coming back, you got Michael Wilson coming back, and you got Higgins coming back, right? Three of their leading receivers. So they're pretty solid at that receiver spot they lose Simi Fahoku who was a pretty special player but they got yeah. some talented cats coming back to play that position Especially Austin Wilson, Jones yeah. yeah Austin Jones who was a big time running back um recruit he was okay last year I thought he was okay and so we'll have to see what he can do under center or behind quarterback behind the center you know they're going to run the football Stanford is going to run the football you know that they're going to line up you know pack the box they're going to put tight ends in there and they're going to run the football on you and so you know, just have to see what they can do with that running game. They can't be one-sided. They were four and two last year, oddly enough, right? They started off not looking good. They ended up four and two on the season. So they ended up being, you know, a decent record on the year. You're going to have to see if they can repeat it for this year uh, with that offensive side. Defensively, they got some big dudes up front. So that D-line, we talked about it. The line matters. Uh, those guys are pretty big. And so – if they continue to do a lot of the movement games, a lot of the schemes where they're running stunts and twists and that kind of thing up front, they could be something to handle because they got some decent linebackers as well. We have to remember too, that one of those four wins was due to two block kicks. That's not going to happen virtually any time, but man, Cal special teams struggled with dealing with the replacement players that were blocking or uh, just being out of position, not, not having their normal guys out there. So for all intents and purposes, they should have been three and three, but, they did play fairly well against Cal, too. Give them credit. So I, I am not going to be the guy who changes the plaque when it goes down there. They won that game. Albeit, I was will be. a dude who should not have been in the game, like, because he had a million snaps, right? Whatever. They, they won that game. I'm not a change the plaque guy. Winners win. That's it. They get, you know, whoever's got the most points at the end of the game gets the game. So I, I will give them the win. It sucked the way that we lost. There's no doubt about it. But they won the game, you know, so they ended up four and two. They found a way to, to make it happen on the season. We'll see what they're about. You know, we'll see what Stanford's about. Um, like I said, I like David Shaw. I just think he's a good coach. I think he's a good dude. Um, and I know I'm not supposed to say that because I'm a golden bear. But I will tell you this. And you guys will learn this at home. As a football analyst, I play it straight down the road. I'm not a homer. I want to see my Bears win. I mean, I can show you I've got the tattoo right there. So I'm a Cal guy. I'm, I'm a Cal guy. But as a football analyst, I will tell you what I truly believe rather than, you know, having my emotions play into it. Although I always pick Utah over USC. So clearly my emotions play into that one. But right. that's just me. Jim, I appreciate you coming on. So that's our inaugural kickoff. Hopefully you guys liked it. Leave us a message down below. You know, make sure we hear from you. That's the Pac-12 North. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Pac-12 South. And as we talked about, we're going to hit the Golden Bears as well. We're going to go in-depth on our Bears, talk about what we got going on, coaching staff changes, dudes around, kind of what's going on in the program, some new faces that are going to make a big impact this year for the Golden Bears. But that's Pac-12 North. That was Golden Bear Insider, ultimate insider for you at home. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a message, and we'll talk to you again on the next broadcast.